everyone. Hello. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And this is our first episode we're actually recording in the year 2020. Oh, yeah. The new decade. I had a, a couple paranormal experiences over the holiday break at my house in Vermont. I was going to ask. I need to know everything. Because the last we heard, you had some shadow watching you as you slept. Did I tell you that on the podcast or did I just tell you that? You told that on the podcast in 77. How did I tell that? I didn't, we didn't record while I was home. Yeah, we did. We recorded by 77 encounters. Wow. My brain is gone. It's mush. Yeah, you're right. So that happened. And then at the very end of the holiday break, I, this one was a sweet thing, but my dog had passed away in 2012 and he had made himself very known for like the first six months after his passing. But beyond like an occasional thing here or there, it's pretty rare that anything ever comes up. Like we're, we were pretty certain that he kind of like packed it up and, and left. Mm -hmm. But I was working out in the living room, working from home. And suddenly the whole room started to smell like wrinkles, which oh my his God. nickname was Stinky. Like, it's not a good smell. <laughs> it kind of smells like Fritos. <laughs> stinky. Stinky. And so I smelled him and I was, I was like, oh, maybe I'm just, I don't know what I'm smelling. So I started grabbing things, smelling myself, smelling like the couch. And it was just there in the air. And so then I called my parents in and my mom walked in and goes, oh, it smells like wrinkles right here. Oh. <gasps> Oh, that's so special. Mm-hmm. I got really teary. I started crying. I was like, Wrinkles is here. Because he just loves you and he wanted to say hi. See, he's not, he's never too far away. No. But yeah, nothing happened with that shadow person after. So I think it was just like day one, they were like, I don't remember you. Who are you? And then after that, they left me alone. Or maybe Wrinkles kicked them out and that's why Wrinkles came back. That's true. That's possible because my mom was like, we need to do all of the cleansing and everything because we have a bunch of stuff that we've had forever that we just continue to use. But we never, we just never got around to it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need to. Wrinkles did it for you. Kicked, that's special. Yeah. I love that. But then scarier than all paranormal experiences, my entire family got the norovirus. <sighs> all of us within three hours of each other. Oh, I hate that. Yes. Down for the count. So that's Is that a stomach flu or what? what is it? Yeah, it's basically like a shortened flu. So for you, you get exposed and then within like a day or two of getting exposed to it, it's super contagious. So you then just get sick and Ugh. it's like a short stomach flu. So or I guess the stomach flu isn't even a thing. It's just a flu, but it's a it's not a flu. It's a virus, but it feels like the flu because you're basically oh. pooping yourself and vomiting nonstop. And it only lasts usually like 24 to 48 hours, which is good. So do you have to get on medication for that? No, it just clears out your system. Just heads on through. Oh, my gosh. Scary. Wasn't that on New Year's Eve, too? It was on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. At 2 a.m., I started vomiting, and then, oh, no. not to be TMI, TMI, sorry, for trigger warning for everybody that's sensitive to it. You but, literally threw up in the middle of recording our podcast once last year because you swallowed soap, so I think they're used to it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, God, I still <laughs> think about that. Soapy pancakes. Um, but yeah, like three hours later, I heard some activity outside of the door at 5 a.m., 
and I went out and my brother was standing there over a pile of puke. And then I was like, oh, oh no. So then I went into my parents' room to be like, hi, Christian and I are sick. And my mom's like, I'm puking. And I was like, no. <laughs> oh, just a family affair. Happy yeah. New Year. But my dad can't puke. He never, ever, ever vomits. And we think it's because his intestines are backwards. Like his intestines are mirrored, a mirror image of what they should be. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't it weird? I have a coworker whose entire body, like all of her organs are on the other side. Yeah. That's like our friend, our friend Freya's mom. Her heart's on the other side. Yeah. My coworker's like that. So interesting. So interesting. Apparently it's more common than we would think. How do we get... I want someone to take a full body x-ray of me and tell me what, if I'm different, I want to be different. You would know already if you were different. You think? Yeah. If your organs were on the other side, I bet you they would, they would have found that out when you were a baby. But my dad only found out like within the past, I don't know, five years. Oh, but I, I mean, if you're all of your organs were reversed, you would probably know. Oh, if all of them were. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I just want to be cool. You are cool. You're a ghost girl. <laughs> That's true. Oh my gosh. You know what I got for my uh, cousin, Addie? She's six. I got her scary stories to tell in the dark. Or <gasps> what? what's that book called? Scary stories to tell in the scary stories and others to tell in the dark. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm talking about? Because it's the one with Jenny and the ribbon around her neck and then her head falls mm-hmm. off. Yeah. And Alfred was like, what the hell, Jenny? Yeah, I got her that book, and I was like, you have to read this one story. It's so good. That's amazing. You're getting her started at the right age. Oh, yeah. They made a movie based on that those books, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, me neither. But that Jenny and the Ribbon messed me up for life. So I feel a little guilty that I turned right back around and bought it for a six-year-old and was like, if you're going to read anything, read this one. <laughs> but You know, we're just creating future ghost girls for the universe for ghost friends someone's got to continue this when we're gone did you have anything wild happen when you were over break no i drank a lot that's as wild as it got that's pretty wild for you it is pretty wild i'm like exhausted i did have a friend stay with us and he told me some ghost stories of his he he and his friends in high school apparently had a ouija board in the car they used to drive around in the summers with the Ouija board in the back of their car and they would just stop in random places and cemeteries and old abandoned buildings and be like, should we do the Ouija board right now? No, don't do that. But they did. They talked to a ton of ghosts. Nothing really bad ever happened. But the last time they did it, they were at this, I think, a cemetery. And his friend was like, let's pull out the Ouija board. So they did. And it's the middle of the day. They're in like the trunk of the, his friend's car and they're doing the Ouija board And they contacted a spirit and went from like they were just talking and they said, is there a spirit present? And then the planchette moved to yes. And then they ask, how did you die? And then it starts going to like weird letters and not really making any sense. And then they're like, okay, how old were you when you died? And then it starts making an infinity sign on the board. (gasps) And they both looked at each other and were like, we are out and they closed out the session and said goodbye and he said that that's the last time he's played with a ouija board good because now that ouija board that that entity knows it was zozo it was zozo it can get through the board we're not about that Mm -mm. i always get nervous when people have ouija boards on their 
I mean, I guess we have one as our logo, but I think about it sometimes when people wear them as shirts, which I guess all the shirts that we have with our logo on them technically have Ouija boards. Wait, what's his name? Um, Bloody, I think he he called him Bloody Joey. Bloody Joey. He, he emailed us about how he dressed up as a Ouija board for Halloween and he was haunted. That's true. So can I just say one thing? I know that we're past Halloween now, but we had one listener and I I should have brought it up because it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. But our listener, Eileen, she had sent us an email from like the year prior, I think, for Halloween. And she had dressed up as Post Malone. And she sent a picture of her as Post Malone. But then she also sent a picture of her normally. Sabrina, you have to go in. It's in my little folder. In your little folder? Yeah, it's titled Post Malone. Okay, I'm going to look at this. It is so funny she's so good and i love that she did a a photo as comparison of of what she normally looks like wow yeah it's so good and then she's she's post malone and she's with a little kid in the photo and then she put in parentheses i'm the adult it's like you know (laughs) Uh, as if the other costume we could get mistaken for post malone Uh. Anyway, oh my gosh i think about her post malone costume often so i just have to (laughs) You briefly considered doing that this past year. I did. I did briefly consider it because I just love Posty. Yeah. And you love doing pop culture things. They're fun. I already have two ideas for next year. So I'm I'm sitting on them. Should I be able to do anything for Halloween next year? You might not be able to do anything for Halloween next year because you might be doing something with me next year on Halloween. Is anything confirmed? Because this girl might be getting married on Halloween. It's. I know that it's just because of like the venues you guys want in the general time frame, but I like to think that you're purposefully getting married on Halloween because you're a spooky chick. Honestly, there is a little bit part of my soul that's just so happy that the universe planned it this way because every person I've told is so exclamatory about how perfect it is for. It really is. And also because Nick and I's relationship was built so much upon college events and getting dressed up in costume to go to events. You met in costume. We did. I was dressed up as Dirty Jersey. And what was he, just like a Minnesota Viking or something? Uh, No, he was a Colorado because he's technically from both but grew up more in Colorado. So he he was like a Colorado hiker. Ah, okay. So he definitely looked cooler than I did. Oh, so cool. Well, I know. I hope Leia gets to go to your wedding. I was joking with Nick that I really want to have a private room where we work with like a local adoption center and have tons of kittens running around and then people can go into the room and play with the kittens whenever they want. And then maybe people adopt them. That's a wonderful idea. It's just I wouldn't be able to attend your wedding, but do do what's It's right a private you. room. If, if If it's in the air, Sabrina... But the room will be locked and the air <laughs> and we are matter. getting married outside. I'll be outside the just looking in the windows <laughs> trying to see <laughs> what's happening. Playing. It was a joke, Corinne. It's not going to happen because that's just a dream. That's for my second wedding. Your next life. Who's first? You're first. Me? I think you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. <laughs> this is great because we picked this topic. Kind of because 2020 is my wedding year. Yes. And it's a lot of people's wedding years. And the summer mm-hmm. and fall 
months are huge months to have your wedding. And then also, I feel like every single person I saw on social media just got engaged over the holiday break. So there are going to be so many people who are planning. Mm -hmm. So it's only natural that we choose some haunted wedding destinations, some haunted wedding venues to help people in their search. I think possibly my wedding venue is haunted. (gasps) I'll have to do more research, but it's a really old building. It's from the 1800s. And when you try to look up the history of the building, it's like nowhere to be found. You can't find anything about it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I'm going to have to bring bring some equipment with me to your... Should we bring our... Should we catch some EVPs at your wedding? Oh, my God. That'd be so fun. That'd be so fun. It'd be terrifying, but fun. Memories. <laughs> be kind of fun. I'm so down. It would make your wedding event, for me personally, selfishly, it would make it less about every year on your wedding anniversary it wouldn't be you and nick's wedding anniversary it would be mine and sabrina's first evp capture anniversary (laughs) that's how i would view it (laughs) i would love that and also corinne i would also love if you'd be my bridesmaid sabrina are you asking me on the (laughs) podcast I'm asking you on the podcast. I also be, I have something else for you, but I don't. You said you don't know if you'd be able to come to the engagement party. Oh my god, Sabrina, my heart is racing. <laughs> do I have tears in my eyes? I do. I feel like me I'm too. asking you to marry I feel me. Emotionally, wasn't ready, <laughs> but no one's ready ever. So yes. <laughs> Wait, yay! Thanks. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> It's going to be so much fun. And obviously, I need you by my side. I'm so excited. Ugh. I've already, I know that you, you're you still locking in dates for everything and anything wedding related, but I've already told my boss, I was like, just as a heads up, I will be taking time off. I don't have dates <laughs> for you yet, but I won't show up But it up is to coming. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. Oh I love God, you, Oh my God, thanks, Sabs. <laughs> i'm excited <laughs> this is awesome yay it's gonna be so fun ghost girls up on i don't even know out on the grass out no cats ghost girls in the grass <laughs> <laughs> the new name of our podcast um i feel super emotional and a little startled from being asked to be your bridesmaid so i actually really have to pee now <laughs> pause for one second <laughs> Go pee. Everything in my body was just like, woof. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, I feel like you and I just had girls. like a really intimate moment. <laughs> we did. You know, when people are like, uh, like he asked me or she asked me like in the most <laughs> intimate private moment. It was just the two of us together in our home in our pajamas. And you and I are literally wet headed in our pajamas right now. <laughs> we are. I got sweaty. I love you, Sabrina. I love you, too. (laughs) I'm so excited. Me, too. All right. (laughs) That's it, folks. That's all we need to do. That's all I care about now. Bye. (laughs) We got to go celebrate. Okay. But I did make this about you because I was thinking about your wedding when I was finding Uh a a wedding venue. And I know it's not particularly maybe where you'd want to get married, but please, please hear me out here. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'll hear you out. All right, so I went on brides.com 
and also went down a deep hole. It took me like seven hours to choose an actual venue because I actually started planning my own wedding and went through prices <laughs> and made a guest list and did the whole thing. It was super distracting. Anyway, on Brides.com, I found an article called Wickedly Haunted Wedding Venues Across America. Oh. And then it says, quote, whether you're throwing a Halloween wedding or are just really into the spooky side of things, America's most haunted wedding venues are sure to entice your wicked side. Oh. So I was like, oh my gosh, how perfect. This is literally Sabrina. She's creepy. She would like I'm this. wicked. <laughs> you're wicked. Uh, and then I found on this list a venue called the Palmer House. And so I know you and Nick are trying to get married in California, but should you uh, need another venue and want to be close to either side of your families, this one is in Minnesota. Ooh. So Nick could easily get to it. What part of Minnesota? It's a bit of a smaller venue, so maybe not something that you're considering for this marriage, but if you guys want to renew your vows one day, you could consider the Palmer House. Oh, or my second wedding. <laughs> to me? <laughs> it's so funny. We, well, I mean, it's been a lot of work finding wedding venue, but we were on the phone with one and Nick made that joke on the phone and the woman did not laugh or did not enjoy that. <laughs> and Nick and I were both like, yeah, we're not getting married there. They don't in- understand our humor. Oh, see, it's so important. All these things you have to it think is. about. All right, so this hotel, it's in Sauk Center, Minnesota, and it was once known as the old Sauk Center house. It was the town's first hotel, but it burned down to the ground in 1900. And then the very next year, in 1901, Ralph Palmer and Christina, Christina, she spells it though with an E, Christina Palmer, they built together the Palmer House Hotel, which is what stands there today. And the town was so excited. They were like, hell yes, this is our chance at having the first ever like class hotel, first class hotel here. This is going to put us on the map. Like we're sick now. This place is dope. So everyone's stoked. Everyone's super behind the Palmers in creating this hotel. The architecture there was so beautiful. It was all new and shiny. People were thrilled. And the Palmer family, they actually moved in there with their two children, and they employed some of their relatives, like Christina's mother, her brother. So it was just like this big family investment. The town was involved. Everybody was just really happy and like hoping for the success of this hotel. It was the very first building in Sock Center with electricity and indoor plumbing. So wow. it was a given that it was going to be popping. And Corinne's, Corinne gives her seal of approval. I would never choose something that I didn't agree with for a wedding <laughs> venue Thank episode. You. I would never steer you in the wrong direction, Sabrina. <laughs> Hygiene is very important to you. Hygiene is, I'm not going to, I don't want to have to wear a diaper to your wedding. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I will. There's no promises. <laughs> And the house was even referenced in Nobel Prize winner Sinclair Lewis's novel, Main Street, because he's from that area. And he actually, when he was a younger, younger boy, younger man, he worked at the hotel as a night clerk. So it's been put on the map in a variety of different ways. And then almost a century later, in 1993, the hotel went over some big renovations. Previously, the hotel had 38 rooms. 
but they really needed to update the hotel to accommodate the needs of today's travelers, which includes everyone having an own personal bathroom in their room, not a communal one down the hall. Mm. And so they they expanded the room so everybody could have a bathroom, which then lowered the number of available rooms to 19. So there are 19 rooms, though there are said to be at least 40 ghosts. <gasps> so the odds of experiencing something paranormal seems pretty high. Two ghosts per room. Two ghosts, one room. (laughs) (laughs) Check on in. The owner of the home, her name is Kelly Freese, and she's now owned this this hotel, Palmer House Hotel, for, I don't know, like 20-some years. Um, But she calls the house, quote, a living, breathing entity. And there have been so many groups to come in, so many paranormal investigators. Zach Bagans and his crew went in. Um, Everybody's ghost hunting. (gasps) There are so many events that happen at this house. And so many people are always trying to see the spirits, communicate with the spirits that are roaming the rooms, roaming the halls. Kelly says that there are so many different types of spirits of all ages from all different time periods. So you'll never really know, I guess, what you're going to see. And she also says, quote, I always tell people, you don't hunt ghosts. You sit down and you ask whoever's willing to come hang out with me. Please do. I'd love to meet you and get to know your story. She seems cool. Right? Super polite introduction. Appreciate that, Kelly. And I'm sure it's probably a pretty successful way of making contact because there are so many spirits that hang around this place. And most of the spirits, from what I've seen, do not seem all that bad. They're pretty friendly. Kelly, when she first took ownership of this hotel, the Palmer House Hotel, which, by the way, there's also a Palmer House Hotel in Chicago that also does beautiful weddings. Um, I got confused during my research. (laughs) But this one is in Minnesota, Sauk Center, Minnesota. Gotcha. But when she first took ownership of the hotel, she started to record all of her experiences in a journal, which I think is so cool. That's really cool. But then it was too frequent and too many. So she just kind of like dropped off with the journal. It's hard to keep up journaling. It's really hard to keep up journaling, especially when people are always tapping your shoulder and talking to you and running down the halls every single day. And they're not even people. They're, they're, yeah, they're all dead. Not real people. And you've got other things to think about. Yeah, you're busy. Employees at the Palmer House Hotel have heard what sounds like young children or a young child chasing a ball down a hall. Which I was thinking perhaps maybe it was one of the original Palmer children, like kind of revisiting a happy time in their life um, after passing away. But I also... Or residual. Residual, 100%. There's a bar and kitchen in the building. um, And I I know a lot of the receptions happen in that space. Uh, It's a popular spot for receptions, but also for some good food, for some drinks. Locals will come in and get drinks. Hotel guests will come and get drinks. But the bartenders there don't always have the easiest job because a lot of action happens in this area of the hotel. The glasses have a habit of flying off of the shelves and smashing on the other side of the room, which sounds pretty dangerous. And then also hanging silverware, like, you know, like ladles and spoons and stuff that's hung up in the kitchen. They've been seen just like coming off of the hook and just thrown or dropping to the ground. Hmm. Candle holders that are out on the bar or uh, on the tables as decorations will just slide across the table on their own. There's water that turns on and off in the sinks that aren't being used. Floor lamps turn on and off with no one around. The TV in the pub is sometimes turned up so, so loud that it's 
in inappropriate decibel ghosts. Oh. Someone's trying to party or be an annoyance, apparently. Or they are having trouble hearing and they just need to turn it up louder. You know what? Then put on the closed captions. <laughs> That's the biggest <laughs> what fight if they don't know how to read now. I'm like, if you can't hear the TV, then you need to start reading the TV because you don't make everyone else in the room miserable <laughs> and hard of hearing because you're already hard of hearing. I will say I love closed captions. They're great. I read them. I put them They're on. They're really helpful. They are. I'm a big fan. Big supporter. But the biggest annoyance for me personally, I don't work <laughs> there and I've never been there, but this is the thing that really bothered me when I read it. It's a personal issue. It's a personal issue. They'll roll up the silverware, you know, in a napkin, in a linen napkin to put on the table to set the table for guests who will come and dine. And there's a spirit there who will go around and like unroll them and make the table a mess again. <laughs> That's rude. That's so rude. Work on your tidiness pissing me off anyway um the previous owner before kelly took over uh i, I believe it was a, a man and woman potentially who had owned it together but the previous owner he had been in the kitchen when an electric knife one of those like electric carving knives you know like you have them on like thanksgiving maybe you don't mm -hmm. know but because you're not a meat eater but i've seen them okay. most thanksgivings i enjoy with meat eating people true so one of those turned on and started moving across the table so he was like this is super creepy oh he'd also heard a bunch of children playing in the hallways and one time there was a band playing at the palmer house hotel which i, I don't know if it was for a wedding or if they just had a band come in to play in the bar that night but he heard voices join in with the singers of the band and the band heard it too everyone was super spooked there were these additional voices singing along with whatever song Whoa. the band was covering so that's kind of fun though it's pretty fun but it's also like this isn't a duet this isn't karaoke <laughs> these are paid performers please stop <laughs> unless you're really good and like can harmonize and then please continue that's, that's so funny but then not all of the spirits are are there to mess around and unroll your silverware one night there was um someone who they weren't a bartender they were uh and it was someone who was working as an, a night clerk and just kind of like doing the different duties that they needed to do with cleaning and whatnot. And someone had come down and sort of like into the bar area when she was in there cleaning and like asked for a drink. And the woman was like, uh, okay, like, yeah, it's supposed to be closed, but like, let me see if the, if the taps work. So she went up and checked that the taps were working, which they were. So she asks the guy, like, well, what do you like? And he goes, well, I don't know. You choose for me. So she's like, okay. Like, I like this one. So she poured him a beer, gave it to him. And then he was like, how much do I owe you? And she was like, oh, yeah, actually, I have no idea. I'm not the bartender. I just work here as a night clerk. I'm just trying to, like, you know, accommodate you and get you the beer. So I don't know. Right. Like, two bucks. And he was like, okay. And he pulls out a $10 bill, gives her the $10 bill. And then... She's like, shoot, okay, well, I can't get into the cash register. That one locked. <laughs> so she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I don't have change. So either you have to order th four more beers, 
to make it even or we'll have to figure something else out. And he was like, well, and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a quarter and he ends up just paying like like a dollar twenty five or a dollar fifty or something. And she's like, all right, that's good. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So they talk just a little bit. He has the beer. He turns around after paying and then he walks up the stairs and, and disappears into the hotel. So she's like, oh, he was a hotel guest, whatever. Right. And then the next day she's uh, – in town with her whole family for an event and like stops into the hotel is in the bar kind of like retelling the story of the night before to kelly who's the owner and kelly gets really freaked out and is like she turns white and she's like what are you talking about what did this man look like starts asking her all these questions and kind of getting this night clerk a little freaked out night clerk was like I don't know. He's just a hotel guest. And she's like, well, what room was he staying in? And she was like, I don't know. The one with the empty beer glass in it? Probably. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. where he was staying. Yeah, he just walked up the stairs after. And it turned out that, like, no one had been checked in. Like, there was no one staying Ooh. in the hotel. So she had, like, a full conversation and the money belonging to a ghost. Wow. Which makes sense because plenty of people have belongings that go missing. So I'm wondering if maybe they collect some money from other guests to then pay for their own beer later in the evening wow they steal money they do honestly if i was a ghost i'd want to get a beer too how cool to be like yeah how's your job my job's sick i serve ghosts beer (laughs) that'd be awesome super awesome and it's cool because she didn't realize it in the moment. Like, nothing he did scared her or no. made her unsettled. And it wasn't until after the fact. So right, that's the best way to do it. And based on Kelly's reaction, it kind of sounds like this might be one of those spirits that, like, other people probably reported seeing. Because she's like, well, what did he look like? Yeah. Give me the description. I think I recognize this guy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They should do, you know, like, instead of – um sketches of people that are wanted they should do sketches of the ghosts and have people describe the looks of the ghost and on the wall it's just like have you seen this ghost they should that's such a good idea sabrina (laughs) oh my gosh you should write them in okay i'll I'll phone i'll phone kelly i'll pick up the phone phone and call her phone a friend (laughs) we'll pause the podcast so you can call kelly (laughs) put it on speaker yeah kelly you're live on air employees who work there have also been asked by children who are visiting the palmer house hotel with their with their families who the little boy is that sits on the steps Ooh, which i'm thinking might be the same boy who rolls the ball down the hallway yeah yeah um employees have also said that there's been numerous occasions there have been numerous times where they're walking up the stairs right after a guest like a guest walks up and they start walking up right after them and then when they get to the top of the stairs There's absolutely no one there. So the guest was a spirit. They were just basically following a spirit up the stairs. The guests who stayed at the Palmer House Hotel also experienced a ton of activity. So it's not just the workers there or owner of the hotel. It's not uncommon for guests to hear furniture move in the room above them. And oftentimes they're a little annoyed and they might end up calling the front desk to complain about the noisy hotel guest neighbors. (laughs) But then they learn that the room that they're complaining about above them is in fact empty or sometimes to their surprise there is no room they're on the top floor <gasps> oh that's interesting Mm-hmm. absolutely nothing above them did there used to be no i think the ghosts are just noisy because it will sound like there's furniture moving around and furniture will get rearranged in people's rooms that does happen sometimes 
but it, it'll sound like furniture is moving around or someone's walking or someone's like em- putting a heavy suitcase down and shuffling through their clothes, stuff like that. Interesting. Um, books will also fly off the shelves, but not just fly off the shelves. Like they fall down, but not into a pile. They often land upright and in order, which is Whoa. weird, but I like it. I like these organizational ghosts. I mean, they say that ghosts have issues with things being moved around and changed on them. So maybe they're just trying to put them back to the proper, their proper position. Right. And I'm all for that. I'm not for the silverware mess, but books, you order them however you think that makes sense. I'm good for that. The Dewey Decimal System is the way it should be. (laughs) That's the only way. And if you don't know it, learn it. In your personal library. (laughs) The ghost children also enjoy uh, late night playing and they run up and down the hallway, which is super annoying for the sleeping guests who want to say, hey, get a hold of your children, but there's no one there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So that can be pretty annoying. But when the spirits are bored of the hallways, sometimes they check into vacant rooms, the vacant room maybe right next to where you're staying, and they turn the TV on and off throughout the night. So... Such kind neighbors. So, so very nice of them. So nice. Uh, Room number 11 and room number 17 have the most action. Though Kelly, the owner, she said that the ghosts appear everywhere. If they want to appear, they're going to appear. So (laughs) it it doesn't mean that the other rooms are ghost-free. Rather, it just means that rooms 11 and 17 happen to have, like, I guess, a higher frequency of reports, paranormal experiences there. So people are like, ooh, those are the haunted rooms, though technically all the rooms are haunted. Right. 40 get 40 ghosts in a 19-room hotel yeah. is a lot. They're all over. And you better hope that there's some vacant rooms so that they're at least trying to chill in there instead of right next to your sleeping body. Ooh. But in room 17, there was a newlywed couple who was spending the night in their room. They're happy. They're in love. They're excited to start the next chapter of their life. And then they wake up and they see a man standing at the foot of their bed. And the man is very tall. He's very thin. And he's dressed in 1920s clothing. And then he just disappears. (gasps) And then down the hall in room 11, things have become a little bit more personal, a little bit more pervy. Many guests aren't able to sleep because the room is just too cold, even when the air is set to be warm. But the part that's a little pervy is that sometimes guests unfortunately aren't able to sleep because they feel a cold hand stroking their leg. Oh, I do not like that at all. Nope, not okay. And then back in room 17, there was a woman, her name is uh, Becky, and she stayed at the hotel with her sister-in-law. They'd been in room 17, and they were there with, like, a couple other friends who were in a different room. Mm -hmm. And Becky heard her name being called, and she kept hearing her name being called, though they were the only ones checked into the room on the entire floor that they were staying on. So no one should have even been on that floor in general. You know, maybe they would have thought like, oh, it's probably our friends just coming up and saying your name to try to scare us. Yeah. But the voice was actually coming from within the room, like right next to them. (gasps) 
but they didn't see anything. And her sister-in-law got up to move and sit in the chair next to the TV. But after 10 minutes, she had to move because this huge wave of sadness came over her and she began to cry. Oh. And so then Becky's sister-in-law is like, okay, well, I just need to try to go to sleep. I just need to like ignore this and go to bed. So, so she lays down on the bed. And as soon as she's laying down, she feels the presence of someone laying on top of her. Oh, no, 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 no. So creepy. So Becky and her sister-in-law are up, like, pretty much all night. Just so much is happening. And the next morning, they meet up with their two other friends who'd been in room 22 on a different floor. And they're talking about everything that happened to them that night. And Becky and her sister-in-law had so much occur, but their friends who had stayed in room number 22 hadn't seen or heard a single thing. They got a very restful night. (laughs) Very ghostly. I would go, if that happened to me, I would leave that room and go to my friends right away. Right? I guess, I guess the thing is to, maybe if you're alone, you would be more apt to do that. But I wonder if because there were two of them, they were like, we have each other. We can get through this. We can deal with this. Yeah, I guess that's true. And maybe they're so scared. They're not even thinking, thinking those things through. I would say also if they left the room, maybe the ghost would have followed them to their friend's room. So it's probably better that they didn't for the sake of their friends. That's true. You got to be kind to your friends. Don't don't have ghosts follow you. Don't give them ghosts. No. And then so Becky, remember, sh- her name had been called and a ton of other people who've spent the night have reported hearing their name called or just random other names. The ghosts are just walking around saying people's names. <laughs> just hoping one of them lands. They don't actually know people's yeah. names. It's like, all right, I'm going to say every name that that person looks like and hopefully one of them's right. <laughs> Smart. It worked. Additionally, the bathroom floors sometimes just appear to be wet. And then one guest even had, this is why you should keep your limbs inside of the blankets. Their leg was sticking out of the covers and something, some unseen entity, some ghost, some spirit, slapped their leg. (laughs) Oh. And when they opened their eyes, they saw a figure quickly moving by them so that's creepy and it kind of reminds me of my sleep paralysis that i was talking about in yeah counter 77 yeah i just don't like the idea that they're like roaming around while you're sleeping yeah like if someone's sleeping you back out of the room you don't enter more you know yeah just be polite and respectful of people's space and their sleeping times i agree um so like i said items that people have will go missing sometimes they never reappear there have been photos captured as well, photos with orbs, there are green lights, sometimes figures. A man had been standing at the top of the staircase looking down and he snapped a picture of a mirror. And in the photo, you very clearly see the figure of a man, which is a real man. His friend was there. So your eyes immediately go to him and you're like, oh my God, ghost. But that was a real person. But what's interesting is what's behind his friend. So in the reflection of the mirror, you see his friend. And then you see a window and the window looks out onto the neighbor's rooftop. It's filled with like just a few small rocks, no other items. There's no furniture. There are no people walking out on the roof. It's just a random building roof. Mm -hmm. But yet in the photo, there appears to be a figure standing right in front of the window looking in. Super cool. Oh. And then there have also been plenty of EVPs to be captured here. And many of them are kind. For example, there was a woman who had taken her daughter-in-law and her two granddaughters to the hotel to celebrate kind of like a collective birthday celebration for everybody because um, her 
daughter-in-law and two granddaughters are super into ghosts. So she was like, this is a perfect gift. So they had like a girl's weekend, a girl's sleepover at the hotel to go ghost hunting. That's fun. So fun. And they were walking around. They were checking out all of the paintings, the rooms, the the bar and restaurant, and just kind of like wandering around and talking about all the different ghost stories that they'd heard. Mm-hmm. And the girl's mother, the daughter-in-law, she had a recording device with her and she had it going because they were like, we'll just have it going and then we'll see like tomorrow if we catch anything. So then the, the next day, the little girls are like, let's look back on the tapes. Let's listen. And so they listen, thinking that they're not going to hear anything, but they did capture an EVP. And it was during a time when they were talking about how they had thought one of the paintings had moved since the last time they walked by. So, like, the two, they're all talking as a group, just like, do you think that moved? I swear it wasn't there. Like, it's an inch over. Like, they're all talking. And then another voice and a random woman's voice that they'd never heard before comes in on the recording and says happy birthday wow isn't that nice that is so nice so sweet i love that that's a good one that's a it's a good it's a great evp thank Mm -hmm. you ghost and then on new year's day a few years back we should go spend new year's there because this happened on new year's day kelly the owner and other hotel guests they're all standing on the first floor and Kelly's talking to a bunch of guests and a woman wearing a red turban and a flowing scarf. She walks out of the bar and into the lobby, like right next to Kelly, talking to these guests. So Mm -hmm. Kelly turns to ask her how she could be of service, if she needs any help with anything. And in front of this entire group of guests, the woman disappears. So everyone saw. Wow. So plenty of paranormal experiences there, plenty of encounters, but there's one spirit, Sabrina, that you probably want to see, and that is the cat. Oh, yes, please. People have heard a cat meowing, and they've felt (gasps) a cat jump onto their bed and walk over their covers. Oh, that's my favorite. I also, I'm about to go to a hotel for two weeks for work, and I want a ghost cat because I'm going to miss Leia so much, and my favorite feeling ever at night is when Leia jumps on the bed and crawls up on cuddles with me oh i wish you could just order a ghost cat right (laughs) wouldn't that be nice one ghost cat please that's what i would do because i don't hate cats i just am deathly allergic so i would totally have a ghost cat yeah uh there's also a dog but i don't think it's a true dog i think it's some sort of demonic creature because apparently people have seen this demon dog with glowing red eyes that's scary. So, yeah, there are some scary things. And while like the majority of what I've told you so far are pretty harmless, sometimes creepy or just an- annoying, there are some bad spirits there, some entities. Mm. And it's believed that they're all in the basement. Kelly believes that there's a demonic energy present within the basement, originating at least from the basement. They always are in the basement. They always are. It's damp. It's cold. No one's ever down there. Yeah. But after the home had originally been built, it had caught fire, like it said, it burned the old sock center house to the ground, though no lives were lost. But still, it's a traumatic event. So perhaps this dark, strange presence is the result of the fire, or maybe it came after. It was maybe attracted to the darkness and tragedy that it struck Mm. there. Or maybe it's just totally random, but there's definitely something dark there. And the basement is usually closed off to the public, though you can access it if you go on the historical tour. You uh, One of the stops is the basement, and you can take photos. 
But by far the creepiest thing to have happened in the basement is this. Kelly had been told by someone she'd never met before, a stranger, that this person had a really strange dream about the basement in the hotel. (gasps) Oh. And about this one certain section of the basement, like underneath the ground in this one section. So at this point, Kelly's had a shit ton of paranormal experiences. And she's like, you know what? I kind of trust this. I feel like this is a message. I'm curious. I'm going to go check it out. And so she does a bit of digging. And I mean, like, literal digging. She is in that spot (gasps) where the person had said that they dreamt about. And she is digging under the ground to see why this person had this dream and then felt like telling her this. Like, what is the message? Yeah, what's there? Bones. No. She digs up <gasps> bones that look like rib bones and she places them in a box and then she goes back upstairs. And then when she goes back down to the basement to go get the box, the box is gone. Poof. <gasps> no bones, nothing. It's all gone. All that was left was the hole that she had dug. No. And it's never been recovered. Okay, do we think the person who the bones belong to was like, that's all I wanted, and now I'm taking my bones and going? Or do we think the killer hid the bones? Ugh, I don't know. I kind of think, I like to think that it was someone that was just like, you know what? I had a good time here. I've been here for a while, but it's time for me to pack it up and move. It's just, I have phantom hands, and I can't get my bones. Yeah. And then had her do it for them. I like to, I like that version But how do you have a good time there if you were buried in the basement of the building like that makes me think someone was murdered and their body was covered up that's true there are no reported deaths or murders though because kelly's done a bunch of digging but they can't be reported if they went missing and their bones were never recovered but only the rib bones you know there weren't other bones unless it was scattered throughout the home but maybe it was throughout maybe it it was someone that like got away with murder because they buried the different parts of the body across state lines so it was hard to connect. And now where are the bones? Where are the bones in general? I don't know. Who took the bones? I don't know. Who took the bones? Anyway. So if you want to get married there, you can. <laughs> wow. Wait, that is the coolest mystery ever. I want to know more. That I is know. amazing. Wickedly haunted wedding venues. Wickedly haunted. I love that. Isn't it so cool? I want to go there next time I'm in Minnesota. You should. Where is it? What area of Minnesota do you know? Sauk Center. I think it's S-A-U-K Center. I wonder where that is. I don't know. Minnesota is pretty big, but. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I'm like dying to know beyond the newlyweds who had seen that slender man in 20s clothing, which now it's the 20s now. So I, I have to specify 1920s clothing. Mm hmm. I'm curious if anyone has had any wedding parties or receptions or anything wedding related there. Yeah. Please tell us if you have. You know, like other people get told happy birthday. So I can only imagine that plenty of people here. Congratulations. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Or there's ghosts in your wedding photos. Oh, that would be so sick. I hope that happens for so you. Cool. I really hope I can get ghosts in my photos. <sighs> Me too. It's an hour and 40 minute drive from where Nick's family lives. I think you could do it. I think so too. That does sound so cool. For a night stay in room 17. 2020 goal is to travel more, including going to Minnesota to visit Nick's family and go visit this place. Okay. I am curious to hear what you chose, especially because you are a bride to be. 
I know. it's. It was kind of fun to look at haunted venues because, like I said, I think my venue might be haunted and they haven't. I, I need to do some digging. But I just like that these venues are like open about it and honest. It's like, yeah, we're haunted. Come get married here. Yeah. Why not? Till death do us part. Literally. No, you live. No, not till death do you part. What's it? There's someone. Someone said something on the post when Nick and I got engaged. It was like, I'm not going to be able to remember it because we're going to be ghosts and we're going to be together for eternity. Through death doing you part. doing Maybe that's what it was. May death bring you back together once more. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. I like that. Okay. So I am not really doing a destination wedding, but I think destination weddings are really interesting and cool. And there are so many haunted locations all over the world. So I chose Rose Hall in Jamaica. Ooh, a Jamaican Mm -hmm. wedding. Jamaican wedding. Since I'm not doing destination, we could do it on the podcast. Rose Hall is in Montego Bay, Jamaica. It's a gorgeous mansion built in the Jamaican Georgian style. It has a panoramic view of the coast and has a rich history, which has led to the haunting legends and many ghosts rumored to haunt the land. I think it has like 350 windows. Jeez. And 52 rooms or something like that. That's too many reflections. Lots of reflections. Lots of windows to see ghosts walking through the hallways of this building. But it's beautiful. It's a really pretty. It has this like grand staircase leading up to the front entrance of the house. It's actually interesting because Jamaica has a long history of slavery, similar to the United States. A lot of the manors and estates that used to exist in Jamaica no longer do because in 1831, there were like 11 days. It was starting Christmas of 1831 all the way through the new year of 1832. There was the Great Christmas Rebellion of slaves that lasted the 11 days. And during those 11 days, they burnt down so many of these large manors. So I think the statistics is that there were 700 large manor houses in Jamaica. And now today, only 15 of those still stand. Whoa. Yeah. And just a brief history lesson. There were 60,000 slaves in Jamaica that rebelled against their owners. And they destroyed all these mansions. But unfortunately, they didn't get full emancipation until 1838. So it took six more years after this rebellion to do to get their freedom. But Rose Hall is one of the manors that survived the Christmas Rebellion, and there's an interesting story as to why, which we'll get to, but it still stands today, and the beginning of Rose Hall's story starts in the mid-1700s. So it was 1742, and there was an Englishman by the name of Henry Fannin who stumbled upon a piece of land in Jamaica called True Friendship. This land was owned by a man, I think his name was Richard something, and he owned this land And there was nothing built on the land, but he just kind of put a stake in the ground and named this land True Friendship. And Henry Fannin was on the land. He he looked out to the coast and he was just like, this is the most beautiful property I've ever seen. I need it and I want it. And I want to build a home and a plantation here on this land for myself and my future wife. And so he reaches out to the owner and purchased the land for $3,000 in 1742. And he made plans to build Rose Hall, as he called it, and to marry the love of his life, whose name was Rosa Kelly. And he married her on July 16th of 1746. But before Henry could begin construction of this dream home of Rose Hall, he died. It was a mere month 
after his wedding day and his widow Rosa Kelly inherited the land and she soon remarried a name a man named George Ash. George was a local plantation owner and when he married Rosa, he learned of Henry's plans to build Rose Hall and he was like, I need to do this. This was a brilliant idea. I should absolutely do this. And because Rosa kind of had um, inherited all of Henry's estate, she had the money to build the home as well. So George and Rosa build the home, build Rose Hall, and it was built for $30,000. And they decorated it lavishly. There's a ton of antique pieces and furniture and uh, artwork that are still in the home today. Mm-hmm. And it was built on about 650 acres and then divided amongst uh, amongst that was a sugarcane field, grass and pasture for cattle, and the estate was run by nearly 200 enslaved men and women. So the construction of Rose Hall finishes, and he, George, and Rosa move in. And then very quickly after that, George dies. So he was never really able to enjoy the house himself because he died. Oh, my gosh. So Rosa was widowed once again, alone in her mansion. But she was like... I'm going to persevere. I'm going to remarry again. And she did. Good for her. You know, love is love. And you can love is love. You can just fill your life with love if you'd like it. Yeah. It's a big house. You got to fill it up with something. Yeah. One suitor, maybe three. Who's counting? So here's her third husband. She remarries in May of 1753 to a man named Norwood Witter. And he, unfortunately, was a bit of a gold digger. So... Norwood spent a lot of Rosa's money on like excessive things that you don't actually Ugh. need. Three years after their marriage, he passed away in May of 1765. So Rosa, again, is a widow. Three husbands later. Man. But she was like. What is happening? Is it bad that I'm kind of suspicious of her now? Uh, You can be. Also, how did she find so many people to marry her? Last date I went on, an hour in, the guy, I thought it was going great, and then he asked to see my ears. What? (laughs) Yeah. Does he have an ear fetish? There was no coming back from it. (laughs) I was like, no, that's super weird. Did you show them to him? No, I was like, if you watch carefully my hair moves and you could catch a glimpse yourself, I'm not just exposing my ears to you. That's weird. What did he say? He couldn't let it go. He just really wanted to see your ears. He really needed to see my ears. Uh, wow. So the date ended. Wow. <laughs> I mean, hey, to each their own, there are some people that that's their thing. Yeah, but like, come on. Like, maybe on like the 12th date, and then I wouldn't think it's weird because I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, you do want to see date? my ears. Sorry. This isn't about my failed dating life. Continue. This is about Rosa's successful marriage. I know. Life. What the heck, Rosa? <laughs> So Rosa decides to get married again for the fourth time, and this time to a man named John Palmer in 1767. And John actually owned the adjoining plantation, which was right next to Rose Hall. And so when Rosa died in 1790, so they were married for kind of a long time, and I think they had two kids together. So good for her. Um, It seemed like John Palmer stuck and stayed alive. Good. Yeah. So Rosa passes away in 1790 and she leaves the property to John Palmer. And so then John has these like two plantations side by side. He owns so much land 
and he actually passes away seven years later. So he passed away in 1797 and leaves the land to his two sons. But then they both die childless in 1818, and these two estates were left to a grandnephew named John Rose Palmer. And John Rose Palmer is actually, he was actually a resident of England. So he really didn't have anything to do with Jamaica, but then he inherits these huge properties and is like, well, maybe I'll go to Jamaica and like, see what it's all about and see what this land is like and what these properties are like. And I'll decide when I get there, what, what I'll do with it, whether I sell it or decide to use it. Mm -hmm. And he gets there and he's like, well, this is really pretty. But what convinces him to stay is a young woman, Annie Patterson. And as if we didn't think Rosa's track record with husbands who died quickly after she wed them was odd, Annie Patterson followed a very similar, if not more suspicious, path. Huh. A little bit about Annie. Annie Patterson was born in Haiti to an English mother and an Irish father, and she spent most of her life in Haiti, but unfortunately, both of her parents passed away when she was very young due to yellow fever. So with no family to take care of her, her nanny adopted her. And according to legend, her nanny taught her the secrets of voodoo and witchcraft. So from ages 10 to 18, Annie lived with her nanny and a lot of other women, kind of in a coven. And all of these women raised her and taught her about protecting yourself and female empowerment and witchcraft and voodoo. Then when she turns 18, she moves to Jamaica, which is where she met John Rose Palmer, who now came from England and was trying to decide what to do in Jamaica with this new property and all this new money and wealth he came into. And they fall in love and they get married and they live together in seeming bliss for a brief period of time because Annie grew tired of John very quickly. Oh no. She was just like, this, you know, John's kind of boring. I don't really like him anymore. And so Annie starts seeking lovers elsewhere. And as the story goes, she actually found lovers among the slaves of the plantation, which makes me question consent a little bit, but I don't want to dwell on it. The story goes that John caught Annie in the throes of passion with another slave, and he was so angry that he beat her with a whip. And that that night, Annie, instead of like crying and being mad, slipped some poison into John's coffee. And the next morning, John was found dead. Yikes. See, uh, I feel like you can't, both things are bad, you know? She cheated on him, but then he mm -hmm. beat her. And then she killed yep. him. Yep. Just All things don't bad. be together if you don't want to <laughs> be together. You know, things were different back then. Not to say that it's okay. But you know, Dateline would disagree with you. They're very much the same. <laughs> that's also true. Dateline, yeah. Ooh, scary. I actually want to watch Dateline tonight, though. That sounds fun. So Annie quickly becomes known as the White Witch of Rose Hall, and she gets away with John's murder. And she starts enacting terror among the slaves. She's taking lovers all over the place. She gets married two more times. And she's rumored to have tortured and then killed many of her slaves and all these lovers that she got bored with. And she also killed two of the, uh, the two other men she married. So after John, she gets married again. And she was married to her second husband for about two years. But then she was like, I'm bored of you. Don't like you. So as her second husband's sleeping 
In the middle of the night, she takes a knife and starts stabbing him. And in case that wasn't going to work, because stabbing someone multiple times is not overkill as it is already, she decides to pour boiling oil into his ears into in order to guarantee he dies. That is the most effed up thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Who thinks of that? Annie's a bit cray. Yeah. And Annie was like, you know... I know I keep getting bored of my husband and I keep killing them, but I'm going to get married again a third no, time. No, woman, you should just be a serial dater. Yeah, you should. But maybe she kind of enjoys doing this. Who knows? So she gets married a third time. And this one lasts only six months. And she seeks the help of uh, her lover who happens to be a slave. His name is Teku. And she strangles her third husband to death and Teku has a bunch of slaves waiting and they all come up through the secret passageways and they take her third husband's body down the secret passageways and bury him out by the seashore. And Annie's just known as this like evil white witch. She's known for her use of voodoo and her knowledge of witchcraft and people were staying as far away as possible, including a man that she fell in love with. So she met this man named Robert Rutherford, who I think was her bookkeeper or something. And she was so smitten by him, loved him and wanted him to be hers. But unfortunately, Robert didn't return the love. He was like, I know, I know what your business is, lady, and I don't want to get wrapped up in it. Good, Robert, protect your heart. But unfortunately for him, he admitted to her that he was in love with someone else. Oh, no. So Annie, with her voodoo skills, puts a spell on this woman that Robert is in love with because as love works, you kill someone else's crush and then they therefore fall in love with you because that's the way love works, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. Because doing it wrong. Oh, oh. okay. Now you know. So that's not how love works, as we all know. And Not only did the Englishman not return her love. Oh, well, so she puts this voodoo spell on this woman and she dies a few days later. So not only does Robert not like run quickly to Annie's arms and be like, you're right. I love you. Her lover, Teku, who's the slave, unbeknownst to Annie, is related to the woman Annie killed. No way. So Teku is furious and he kills Annie. Uh, Yep. So he knew that Annie was responsible for killing his niece. And he, one night, lures Annie in like every other night. They start having sex. And in the midst of the passionate throes, he strangles her to death. Oh, man. Annie had it coming. Annie Annie murdered so many people. I know. So many. Annie breathes her last breath. And Teku buries her in a deep pit, and he and a lot of his fellow slaves perform a voodoo ritual that was intended to keep Annie's soul trapped in the depths of her burial site along with her body because they wanted to prevent her from roaming around the land and enacting more revenge or horrible torture upon people because she's caused so many people so much pain already. But whether it was Annie's magical prowess or if the spell wasn't done properly or whatnot, Annie's spirit broke free and was a few days later seen roaming the lands. Oh, 
No, Annie. And as I was saying about the slave rebellion on Christmas, the reason that Rose Hall actually survived that rebellion is because her ghost was so heavily feared that during this rebellion in 1831, the slaves were very careful not to touch Rose Hall estate because they were afraid that if the land was set ablaze, the fire would free Anne's spirit and allow her to roam beyond the estate. Oh my gosh. So they were very, it was a very um, calculated move on their end. So after the rebellion and after Annie's death, the home remained abandoned for about 130 years and started to fall into ruin. But then in the 1960s, it was restored. It's now a museum. And they offered tours and a showcase of the history of the slavery there and the story of the White Witch. And you can also get married there. And there's actually a song recorded about Annie Palmer. It's called The Ballad of Annie Palmer. And it's a song recorded by Johnny Cash, who had property, I think, near to Rose Hall Plantation. So I was just going to read the lyrics to you real quick because I don't because I can't sing. Don't make me sing. Okay, so the lyrics go, One time I was down to Jamaica to a place called Rose Hall Plantation. They grow a lot of sugarcane and tomatoes and things at Rose Hall now. It used to be just a sugarcane plantation back in the days of slavery. And they tell stories about the place and about the great house at Rose Hall. The many, many years ago, they came from the country of Haiti, a lady named Annie Palmer, who lived in that great house there. And she was a mistress of the plantation. She was the boss. Her word was law. Well, they tell tales about Annie. They say she had three husbands, one at a time, I guess. But they also tell tales about Annie and the slaves. There were about 5,000 slaves on the plantation, and she had her favorites, and she had the ones that weren't her favorites. Well, down on the sea, there are three tall palm trees waving in the breeze, and they say that maybe Annie Palmer's three husbands are buried under those palm trees. On the island of Jamaica quite a long, long time ago, at Rose Hall Plantation, where the ocean breezes blow, lived a girl named Annie Palmer, the mistress of the place, and the slaves all lived in fear to see a frown on Annie's face. Where's your husband, Annie? Where's number two and three? Are they sleeping neath the palms beside the Caribbean Sea? At night I hear you riding, and I hear you call your lovers, and still can feel your presence around the great house at Rose Hall. Well, should you ever go to see the great house at Rose Hall... There's expensive chairs in China and great paintings on the wall. They'll show you Annie's sitting room and the whipping post outside, but they won't let you see the room where Annie's husband's died. Where's your husband, Annie? I have got to listen to this song because the second half sounded like a song. The first half sounded like a book report. (laughs) And I'm curious as to how it was sung. Uh, Yeah, I didn't have a chance to listen to it. So we'll listen to it after. But, okay, so before I go into the ghost stories, the story of Annie's devilish wrath is actually up for question. It's sometimes believed that it's been a dramatized story over the years and that Annie actually was a Jamaican local and that she, yeah, was married a few times but, like, didn't actually murder her husbands. But there's no proof one way or the other. Mm. Either way, it's a fun story. And either way, her ghost has been seen many a times wandering the property and People say they see a figure dressed in green velvet and then sometimes in white, and it's believed to be Annie. Others have heard the sound of screams and noises of footsteps in the rooms, especially the downstairs cell, which is the gift shop today. And apparently that used to be like where she unfortunately tortured some of the slaves. 
In the 1970s, after the home was restored, the new owners actually located Annie Palmer's body buried in the ground on the property. And the re- the way that they figured out it was hers, they ran a DNA test to confirm her identity. And then they decided to give her a proper burial and erected a tomb for her. So if you go to visit the home, you can see her tomb. Wow. Uh, a lot of priestesses, voodoo priestesses and psychics have conversed with Annie's spirit. And apparently, according to them, she has actually admitted to murdering her three husbands and proclaimed that she was the second and last mistress of the mansion. And they actually drew these crosses on the tomb. And right before they were going to do the third one, her spirit disappeared because I think what they were going to try to do was like send her to peace. But she was not ready for that. And so now they have basically given her permission to wander the land and come and go as she pleases. Other witnesses have seen a woman dressed in white on the stairs outside of the manor, and many of them have caught glimpse of a woman in white moving from room to room inside the house using those 350 beautiful windows to watch her traverse the home. No. (laughs) One couple planned to spend the night in the upstairs guest room, And they had just sat down to a small table to order a cup of tea, and they suddenly hear a baby crying in another room. So they were like, we should go find that baby, because if that baby's in trouble or alone, we should go go help that baby. And so they walk around, and they're searching for this baby and or this small child, and then the sound just oddly cuts out, and they can't find anything. So they're like, okay, let's go back to where we were sitting, and they go back, and their teacups were gone. And like, that's weird. Like, did someone clear our table thinking that we were done? And as they're walking up to their room, they see a door open on the left-hand side and they like push it open and they see their teacups shattered on the floor. (gasps) And they learn that it was Annie's bedroom. And they were like, this doesn't seem like a good omen. I don't think we should stay here. So they packed their bags and left. Oh my gosh, good. Many guests have seen Annie's reflection appear in the antique mirror in her bedroom and other employees and guests report seeing a shadowy figure riding a black horse across the estate grounds. Those are the same grounds that you can get married on if you'd like. The property is adjacent to the Hilton Rose Hall, which I think was bought out. It's They're all connected and the Hilton is now an all-inclusive resort. And there you can have the seaside wedding against the sweeping arches of the 1837 aqueduct, which was once used at Rose Hall to move sugarcane from the estate to the boats in the harbor. I couldn't find the cost of the weddings at this venue, so I don't know how realistic it is price-wise, but weddings are expensive. And also, given how many marriages end in death, I'm not sure I would be, I would want to. (laughs) It (laughs) It is gorgeous. If you look up pictures, it's stunning. But up to you. Rose Hall's beautiful and haunted. And lots of spouses have been killed there. What more could you want for your wedding day? And slavery. It's just everything. There's a lot there, yeah. Oh my goodness. But that's the Rose Hall of Jamaica. Wow. I think differently of Annie than I did in the beginning of this story. Yeah. I liked her like 10 minutes ago. It's so interesting, too, of both women who lived in that home, Rosa and Annie, Mm -hmm. both went through quite a lot of husbands, which I think was normal for the time because people died a lot younger. But it is interesting. Like, Rosa had four husbands who passed away. I know. Do you think that there was some sort of entity, some sort of energy that kind of took over the women who lived there and drove them to murder? I don't know. Or 
was Rosa just unfortunately married to people who got sick and then Annie just liked to kill people. Either one is possible. I guess yeah. we'll have to wait until we're on the other side to get a clear answer. I can't wait to be on the other side and get every answer I've ever wanted. Who killed John Bonet? Exactly. Did Stephen Avery do it? I don't think. I don't know. I'm still torn. <laughs> Me too. So back and forth. Yeah. Oh, haunted wedding destinations, haunted wedding venues. It's a, you know, it starts out with a lovely thought. And then at the end, I'm like, I don't know if people should be getting married there. But if you guys do get married at these places, let us know. All right. What's your story? Well, because I figured, you know, things were were a little scary this episode, we should choose something that's maybe a a little nicer, or at least that's the direction I went. I like that. This is from Deanna. Hi, ladies. I recently found your podcast and had really enjoyed listening. I even feel a bit connected since my daughter is named Corinne and Mm -hmm. my name is Deanna, pronounced Deanna. Like your last name, Sabrina. (laughs) You're, well, I don't know. Are you taking, is Nick taking your last name? What are you guys doing? Yeah, we're going to hyphenate the third time. Deanna Roga (laughs) Zuli. Zuli Deanna Roga. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Easy. So most of these stories I haven't shared with too many people, or at least not all of the story. I was very close with my maternal grandmother. At the end of her life, we spent most of our time watching TV together. Somehow, we got to talking about her visiting me after she passed away. My only request was that she didn't scare me when she visited. (laughs) And then she passed away shortly after that conversation. A few years later, I met my husband. When we were engaged, I knew we couldn't afford a big wedding. It was up to us to pay for it, and I was unemployed when he asked. We took some time to shop around the local reception places, and we found a once popular wedding venue that was reopening after about a year with new owners, and Mm. they were sponsoring a big wedding giveaway. They were advertising a full wedding package, including a honeymoon, and all that was needed was that you just had to visit the facility prior to that day of the bridal show, and then they would announce the winner. So we visited, and the place was very nice, but super expensive. We definitely couldn't afford to have the reception there. So the day before the bridal show, I was entering my apartment, and I walked down the short hallway, and then I smelled my grandmother's perfume. I backed up and realized that the perfume scent was coming from right by her picture. Later that night, we went to church, and my husband is Catholic, and when you first come into church, you kneel and you say a prayer. I kneel and I hear, I will provide for you, as clear as anyone sitting next to me. The next day, we went to the bridal show, and at the very end of the bridal show, after the fashion show, they pulled a slip of paper out of the barrel, and they called my name. Oh? $25,000 worth of gift certificates for everything. The dress, the tux, the limo, (gasps) everything, and a seven-day trip to the Bahamas with airfare. Oh, my God. We were able to put the money we had towards purchasing a home because the wedding was paid for. We moved in five months before the wedding. And after we moved in, I was running back into the house for something that I forgot. And I smelled my grandmother's perfume in the family room. I stopped on the way back through and just said, thank you. I love you. That is so special. (laughs) My grandmother hasn't presented to me with perfume in the house, but some nights... As I'm falling asleep, I feel her pat me like she used to pat my hand when she would hold it. Oh, I love this. 
isn't this so nice? Sabrina's a hardcore crying. I am. God, it's just so nice. Um, So my grandmother isn't the only visitor that we've had in our family room. My father-in-law was battling cancer and lost the use of his legs a week before our wedding. He was struggling to walk leading up to the wedding and was only ever able to visit our new house once. Due to his trouble walking, he was only able to see the family room. He was able to walk in through the garage and sit in the family room, but he wasn't able to see the rest of the house. And he passed away a year after we got married, having spent the entire year in bed. A few months after he passed, our dachshund, Sasha, would perk up like she heard something, and then she'd run around the family room, barking, looking up at the ceiling. She would run Mm. around for a few minutes and then stop. We started to say, Hi, Dad, how are you? And thanks for visiting. Sometimes, if we were upstairs and Sasha was barking, I would tell my husband, Your dad is here. Go say hi. (laughs) (laughs) Now I want to tell you about when my father passed away. He was sick with lung cancer in his last days, and I would go daily to sit with him. Now a little detour. My parents lived across the street from each other as kids. My father became very close with my maternal grandmother, the one that I told you about in the beginning. He always said that she mothered him when his mom was at work. When we got the call that my father was not going to last much longer, we went over to sit with him. He asked me if I had seen mom. That's what he used to call his mom, who had passed 13 years earlier. I just told him that he would see her soon. And as we sat there with him and the hours ticked by, I waited. And then it happened. And I smelled it. My maternal grandmother's perfume. And I knew that she was there to help dad find his way. And I have no doubt that she was there to comfort him in his final hours. Dad passed in the early hours that morning. And they both have visited my dreams a few times. Wow. I have a few other things that happened, but I'll save those for another time. Thank you so much. See you on the other side. Dina. Wow. (sighs) Emotional roller coaster. I am speechless. That is so beautiful. All of her experiences. I know. It's just like so many people, both in life and afterlife, have so much love for each other. And they're all trying to find ways to comfort and provide and take care of one another all the time. And it's just so beautiful. I mean, also, there's no better way for her grandmother to have been like, I approve of this marriage. I want you to have the most magical wedding ever. And I'm going to, I'm going to provide for you and for her to make this happen. It's just, it's so special and so beautiful and she'll never forget that. No. And then they were able, they were able to do so much. They had all of that provided for them. They had their dream day and then they were able to use the money that they had been saving to hopefully spend on a small (sighs) wedding towards a home. home to make their own family together. This is so special. I love so I love special. it. And that her grandmother was there for her dad when, in his final moments and that she knew that he was going to be well taken care of when he crossed to the other side. I think I is so special. And that their dog Sasha gets to see her her grandpa. Wow. <sighs> so wonderful. Makes my heart so warm. It's all just it's all just so beautiful. Just like just like women's bodies and menstruation which is why we as women love to use lola lola is a female founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons pads liners and all natural cleansing wipes 
Founders Jordana Kier and Alexander Friedman started their company with a simple and seemingly obvious idea. Women shouldn't have to compromise when it comes to feminine care mm-hmm. products. And we agree. Oh, yes. And honestly, the scary thing about this is that the FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products. So that is why most of them don't. And now now that we've been introduced to Lola, who offers complete transparency about the ingredients in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes, I've been so much more conscious about everything in my cabinet, everything that I've been introducing to my life. So Lola not only changed how I deal with my period, but it also really influenced how I approach the rest of my life i completely agree it's crazy when you when you look at it most major brands actually use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products like rayon and polyester so that and then their feminine care products may also be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents fragrance and dyes which is crazy to think that you're putting that in your body but that's why we love lola because their products are 100 percent organic cotton with no added chemicals fragrances synthetics or dyes so you can feel safe and comfortable with what you're putting inside you and put your mind at ease when you're bleeding. Good. I like got scared talking about that and I literally put my hand down and like, I'm like, you're okay, girl. We got you. Lola Don't has worry. you. Lola has you. Because <laughs> it's founded by women for women and they also do good with all of their products. So you can do good with your purchase as well. For every purchase that you make at Lola, Lola donates feminine care products to homeless shelters across the US. Amazing. Ah. Amazing. And what I love personally is that it comes right to my door every month and I can change my subscription. So like right now I'm in New York, so I can get it shipped to New York for work for me when I want it, when I need it. It's amazing. It's fully customizable. I love it. So convenient. So for 30% off of your first month's subscription, visit mylola.com and enter TGOG30 when you subscribe. Again, for 30% off your first month's subscription, visit mylola.com and enter TGOG30 when you subscribe. Let's hear your story. I feel like it's going to be scary because you... I don't think it's that scary. okay. She... Okay, this is from Sarah. She sent two stories. Uh, An angelic wedding guest, dot, dot, dot. Also, a murderous hookup story. Ooh. Hey, ladies. I'm a big fan of all things spooky and also you guys. My first story happened a few weeks before my wedding. I was starting to feel the stressors that had come along with planning a wedding. Yes, I was so excited to marry the man of my dreams, but I was also stressing myself out about food and the weather and making sure all of our family members were going to be able to travel the thousands of miles to Texas from places like South Carolina and Pennsylvania. And on top of all of this, we recently lost my grandmother, who was a rock of our family. I always imagined her being at my wedding, and the moment I learned of her passing, I was devastated. I was so sad that she wasn't going to be there. One night, I went to bed so overwhelmed and fell asleep with a restless mind. And then I had the most vivid and lifelike dream I've ever experienced. All of a sudden, I was walking down the aisle, and I looked to my left, and my grandmother was standing and smiling at me. I remember saying, Grandma, I'm so glad you made it. And she said, of course, I wouldn't miss it. And then I was awake. And the feeling that surrounded me was too much. I felt like I had actually seen her. My heart was so full. And to add to the experience, I swear I could smell her. I know that she visited me. Knowing that she would be at the wedding melted away all my stress. And the wedding was beautiful. And plot twist, my mom showed up with my grandmother's blue sapphire earrings and necklace to wear as my something blue. Cue tears. 
My next story is from way before the aforementioned wedding. The year is 2013, and I'm in college gaining what we'll call life experience. I was sitting in my psychology class when the cute boy in front of me turned and asked if I wanted to study with him before the test. Being the scholar I am, I agreed to the study session. (laughs) So he comes over to my apartment, first mistake, and we decided to turn studying into a drinking game. Second mistake. And before you know it, things escalated and we never actually got any studying done. Shocker. So we're, as we're laying in my bed, he turns over and goes, have you ever heard of H.H. Holmes? Obviously, I say yes. And he goes, nice. Yeah. I'm a direct descendant of him. Uh, uh, WTF. <laughs> it wasn't quite the pillow talk I was looking for. Also, in my mind, being a murderous cuckoo head may be hereditary. So naturally, I dropped the class and avoided him like the plague. Well, that's all, folks. Just thought you might want to hear about my guardian angel and the time I could have been murdered. Stay spooky, Sarah. Oh, my God. You fucking dropped the class. (laughs) Also, respect. Take care of yourself. (laughs) Hey, if that's like, yeah, if you get weird vibes from someone and they tell you and are excited to tell you that they're related to a crazy murderer who had a pretty excited mansion with secret passageways so he could kill people. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not your first interaction conversation. No. Don't tell people that you're related to murderers and then don't ask to see people's ears. Just things that you shouldn't say within Just the first don't five do hours. It. Also, didn't H.H. Holmes kill a lot of sex workers? And I'm pretty sure like he'd invite them to his ha- like into the hotel or whatever he presented the home as and then seduce them and then kill them. So this guy had a weird timing of like post-coital whatever they were doing laying in bed yep seduced her with the idea of studying and then yep not the best move man no 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 but i'm at least she has her guardian angel looking out for her i that is like the most beautiful story so sweet i really i hope my grandma visits me and grandpa oh i'm sure i hope they're at the wedding I'm excited to hear about like the different things that will happen with, you know, your wedding coming up. I have no doubt that you'll get some signs. I'll get some ghosts. Some ghosties coming up. I hope. And if you guys have ghosts or if you had ghosts at your wedding, please email us your stories to two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to everybody who supports us, whether it's rating and reviewing on iTunes, whether you're just a loyal listener who's subscribed, if you tell your friends about us, if you rock our merchandise, if you're active on our social media and in our Facebook page, whatever you manage to do, we are here and we see it and we're so appreciative of it. And we really are very appreciative. We're also appreciative of the people who help make this podcast, including the Arms Akimbo Band who created our intro and outro music, and Eric Foster at Fire Digital who edits our episodes, and uh, our group of moderators on the Facebook page. Oh, oh my yeah. Gosh. We love you guys. They do so much work. Sabrina and I are a part of the chat, but like not even. They are just in a group together and we see everything that they do every single day to just make sure the page is a safe, inclusive place and the best that it can be, whether it be sharing spooky stories or successful things that all of our fandoms have accomplished over the past year. So we love to see it. And thank you. And they were, I mean, one of my favorite things I think about our community and about our moderators is they all plan this amazing 
gift swap over the holidays that I was just so moved by. Like you guys did like a secret Santa type of thing. It was so cool just seeing people post. That takes so much coordination and it's also just so fun. Yeah, it was very fun. We should do it. We should be a part of it next year. We should. We'll do it next year. We'll do it. And we will see you on the other other side. side.